Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Rosemary with you this evening. Together again, together in the study of his word. We are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, and your grace that has brought us this far. We thank you for meeting with us today. We pray for open hearts and minds to hear your word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us your purposes, your truth, and your wisdom. We thank you for the corresponding grace to be doers of the word, so we must be blessed and even become a blessing unto others. We praise you and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, today's topic is one that is uh, dear to me because it inspires me to remain in the word and push forward with God to become all that God has created me to be and to achieve and do all that he has destined for me to do. The name of our study tonight is As He Is, So Are We in This World. Amen. As He Is, So Are We in This World. You know, many uh, people in the church uh, are looking to God for prosperity and blessing. And this is right, and it is wonderful, since God himself does want us to experience all his promises and to hold on to that expectation and be full of hope. However, God also wants us to understand that it will take what it will take for us to walk into and to possess all us. We need to understand the Lord's highest desire, which is really the highest of all, you know, the pinnacle of uh, his redemptive work, which is to establish Christ-likeness in his church, which is his body, the body of Christ. Uh, You know, this is God's objective, which was revealed ever since uh, the book of Genesis. When you look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Amen. So uh, the, the transformation into bearing the image and likeness of Christ is God's highest priority, and it is also the key of access to our glorious inheritance. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ? And we're going to be looking at this today as we focus on um, this new creation and what God does for us uh, through his word and by the Holy Spirit to build his nature into us and make us like Jesus. You know, for First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 17 is where, you know, I got the title for this, this message. And uh, this verse tells us that as Christ is, so are we. Amen. Uh, so we, we must understand that Jesus came to identify with us so that we may identify with him. Amen. He became us that we may become him. You know, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to conform us 
to the image of Christ. And again, um, let me repeat that, that there is nothing more crucial uh, than the inward transformation that God is seeking in each of his children. And you know, this should be um, our earnest and unceasing prayer that this truth, that is, that um, Christ manifesting um, his fullness through the church, that it would become a passion, one, uh, you know, one that would consume every believer, everyone who calls upon God's name. Um, I would like to turn to the book of Isaiah, and um, we are going to be looking at a prophecy by Isaiah. Um, It's in chapter 60 and verses 1, 2, and 3. After we read it, I will expound on how this is connected to our topic tonight. So we are reading right now Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1, 2, and 3. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Amen. You know, this prophecy is about the church, um, actually for such a time as this, in which we, that is the body of Christ, are commanded to arise and to shine. And it explains to us why. It says, because our light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Amen. So we have the ability or we have what it takes. Amen. And God has done it because he knew the times that we would live in. He knows um, the end from the beginning. Amen. And so he says, behold, the darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness is going to cover the people. But he says that he wants us to know that in the midst of all this darkness, that the Lord himself shall rise upon and his glory shall be seen upon us. Amen. In essence, what God is saying is that the darkness and the light will both grow, but the light is great, will grow in a greater way and it will overcome the darkness that is coming against his people. His light will be inside this generation who will embrace him fully, who will be totally consecrated to him, and therefore who will bear his image and likeness. Amen. Christ's likeness will be our very nature. This is what God has planned for this generation that he's referring to in Isaiah 60 verses 1, 2, and 3. Amen. And from that place, where Christ-likeness has become our very nature, then both holiness and the power of God will be seen because those two, that is holiness and power, always work together. Amen. So let's speak about the power of God here. This power is the miraculous force that created heaven and earth. And it is the same supernatural strength that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. Resurrection power. And as born again believers, Holy Spirit filled believers. Amen. This power is available to us right now. And it is all that we need 
to fulfill the mandate that God has for each and every one of us, which is that of fulfilling the Great Commission. Amen. To advance his kingdom and also to conquer the challenges that we are facing. Amen. And this will happen as we uh, more fully understand how to release what we have already been given and allow the spirit of God within us to flow through us in a greater measure. Amen. And you know, the choice in doing so is up to us to, you know, we have the choice to either turn God's power on or to turn it off. But God is waiting for us to be fully turned on to that power and to start doing the works that Jesus did. You know, Jesus himself says this in John chapter 14 and verse 12. This is what he says. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. Amen. Now, if we are truly honest with ourselves, can we say that we believe what Jesus says here in John 14, 12? Do we really believe that we can do what Jesus did? Yes, it is true that Jesus did operate in more power than we do. But we have to understand that his great anointing was not because he is the son of God. Amen. If we uh, read from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, we find out that when Jesus came to earth, that he stripped himself of his divine privileges and he ministered as a man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, this is what is referred to as the kenosis. Amen. Where Jesus emptied himself from all that made him omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Amen. And he became a man just like you and myself. Amen. So um, let's go ahead and look at this passage from Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I like the way the NIV puts it. So I'm going to read it from the NIV version. Verses 6 through 8 of Philippians chapter 2. It says, Who, speaking about Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made him nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Amen. So we see here again that Jesus, he actually he identified with men so that men could identify with him. Amen. Jesus became us so that we can become him. He took on human flesh to die for our sins. And I would like to elaborate on this by looking at the following passages. Um, actually, we're going to look at three passages. I'm going to start with Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Amen. So we see here that Jesus became 
man, a man, a human being, to partake of flesh and blood, so that through his death he might destroy, that is, paralyze him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And in the process of doing that, he also delivered those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. In other words, all believe we were all before we came to Christ walking in fear, the fear of death, and that kept us in bondage. But now that power has been broken. Amen. Notice that Satan had the power of death in verse 14. He no longer has it. Amen. Hallelujah. And um, as I said, I'm going to uh, support this um, you know, statement that Jesus came to identify with us so we may identify with him by taking on human flesh. And the purpose is to die for our sins. So we've just seen this, Hebrews 14. Um, I'm going to support that with another scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, which explains that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. So we see here again a divine exchange that Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin for us. He was made sin for us. He did not just take on a man, uh, you know, man's nature, but he embodiment of sin itself so that we sinful people may be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. And then lastly, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, who, that is Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of here of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Amen. So what happens here in these verses, we see that we were delivered out of Satan's dominion when we were born again. and we have therefore been translated into the family of God. And therefore, everything that old life, it stopped being. Satan's dominion ended right there. We were delivered from the power of darkness. Amen. And therefore, everything that Satan had brought into the world through Adam's transgression was nullified um, and brought under the power, or that is the dominating power, of the new creation in Christ. Amen. This is what the Bible calls a perfect redemption. That is why we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, we are told that if any man be in Christ, that he is a new creature, that all things are passed away and behold, all things are become. Amen. And, um, you know, we might ask ourselves, what, well, you know, what are these old things? that are passed away. Well, everything that is connected with the realm of darkness where we were, but no longer are because we are now into the kingdom of God's dear son. Amen. These things, what they are, are such things as um, failure, weakness, um, fear, poverty, uh, sickness, and let's say even a sense of unworthiness. Why? Because we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're a new creation in Christ. So all these things have stopped. We are now a branch of Christ. 
we are part of Christ, just as the branch is part of the vine. And this is what uh, Jesus himself teaches in John chapter 5 and verse 5. Amen. That he is the vine and we are a branch. Amen. And therefore, we are part of him that is of Christ and Christ is of God. So the same wonderful characteristics that were manifested in the earth um, when Jesus walked the earth can now be manifested in us. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, all born again believers can, like the apostle Paul, say such things as we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were raised with Christ. Amen. And therefore, we have conquered Christ. Let me go back and um, give some scriptural support to this. You know, the Apostle Paul made that statement in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Uh, and let's bear in mind that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a man just like we were. We are. Amen. And um, Paul was a born again believer and he understood what happened to him. Uh, the moment he became this new creation, Hallelujah! And the same is, f- the, I mean, it is the same for all of us. All who are born again, we are no different than the Apostle Paul in nature. Amen. Um, and Paul made that uh, statement. He says in Galatians two and verse twenty, he said, "I am crucified, Christ. Nevertheless, I life which I now live in the flesh." I live the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. So really what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that when Christ was crucified in the mind of God, we too, we were crucified. Amen. When Jesus died for us, we also died. Amen. And then this, the same Apostle chapter 6 and verse 4, that we are buried with Christ and raised with. Let's go ahead and read that passage. Um, it says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. So we see from this passage, this newness of that um, Paul about is that's about victory. And actually, Christ, we were buried with him, we were raised with him, amen. And just as Christ was raised from death by the glory of the Father, even so, we too, we were raised and should walk in this newness of life, which is one of victory. We have conquered the enemy with Christ. And this is a revelation that God wants our heart to truly understand, amen. And this is so crucial for us. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, we see him praying for the churches. Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, for example, verses 17 to 21, um, we see um, him praying for the church of Ephesus to get that revelation of what Christ did for them and who they are in him. Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to that passage. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 21. So he's saying here that he's praying for them. And this is what his prayer is. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards world who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Amen. So notice that we, Paul is praying that the church will know We'd have this revelation of, you know, the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened to this hope, the hope of the calling that God has placed in them, that they may know what are the glory, what are the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. Hallelujah. And then the exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe. Amen. And he speaks about how this great power uh, you know, has raised Christ from the dead and set him on his own right hand in the heavenly places. Praise God, you know, far above, not just above, but far above all and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Amen. And notice in the following chapter, Ephesians chapter two and verse six tells us that we born again believers are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This means that Satan has no authority over the born again believer. Sickness, for example, or, and disease have no power over, the, over, over believers, born again believers. Such thing as poverty and bondage cannot imprison a born again child of God anymore. Why? We died in Christ and no one can control a dead person. Amen. Hallelujah. We are completely free. We have the same authority over the devil that Jesus had. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Jesus gave us authority to resist the devil and his demons. Amen. Notice that even before he went to the cross, he taught that to his disciples. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, um, he told the disciples, he says, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Not some, all, the, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. So in other words, Jesus is saying that his disciples can cast devils out in his name. His disciples can lay hands on the sick for them to be healed as they pray over them in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, the great commission that we find in um, Mark 16, um, verses 17 and 18, as well as in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, tell us about the same thing. Amen. Let's go ahead and um, read first from Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. So he says, he didn't say that these signs shall follow you only here that believe. No, he says, follow them that, amen, from generation to generation, amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Holy Spirit who do, do, dwell in the Apostle Paul and in those disciples to whom Jesus 
was speaking to. Amen. The same Holy Spirit dwells in us. That same power dwells in the born-again believer. The name of Jesus has the same power it has then and now and will always have. Amen. So these signs shall follow them that believe. The question is, do we believe? If we do, then these signs shall follow us as well. Amen. Jesus gave us his authority to go and to represent him in this, in this world. Hallelujah. This is a high calling. You know, this is not just taking care of, of our self. Amen. But it's reaching out to others. Amen. And bringing others into the kingdom and seeing God's plans uh, fulfilled in others' lives as well. Amen. Um, Matthew 28, um, you know, also states uh, Jesus, um, you know, delegating his authority to his disciples and sending them to represent him in the world. I'm going to read that passage, uh, verses 18 to 20, Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and spoke, spake unto them, saying, All power given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice that we are sent, amen, to make disciples. And we therefore have the ability or what it takes to submit to the grace of God and to the power of God to do what he's called us to do and to triumph over the devil, to resist the devil, amen, and to watch him flee from us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, James chapter four and verse seven actually says, uh, states this. It says that we are to submit ourselves to God and then resist the devil. And then he says he will flee from us. Praise God. So as Jesus is, we have to understand that so are we in this world. Amen. We have power over the devil. Amen. We have the power to live the life to which he has called us. Amen. We have the power to be like him. If we are to represent him in the world, uh, it stands therefore that God never willed that we should be toys in the hands of the enemy. Uh, It is not God's desire that we live a life of defeat, a life of failure, a life of poverty. He called us to be the head and not the tail. And whatever our vocation is, we are called to reign in life because Jesus is Lord of our life. That's the only way we can reign, by making Jesus Lord of our life. So when we reign in life, we reign over sin. We reign over the powers of darkness. We reign over depression, over poverty, over every curse, every sickness, and every disease. Amen. We reign over all the power, all the devil, of the devil, and of his cohorts. Amen. We reign over all the kingdom of darkness. You see, the power to reign does not depend on us in a sense that um, our family background or our educational qualifications, you know, or how big of a bank account we have. It has nothing to do with this. Our ability to reign depends on the power that is, has been given to us. Amen. And be, through Jesus. And through him alone, God had planned that, actually he has 
disciplined that when the church come in, comes into being, that it is composed of his sons and daughters, and that these children, his children, would be masters over the demonic realm and over the whole kingdom of darkness. They were, God calls his children to dominate um, the laws of nature as Jesus did in his walk, you know, earth walk. They were, you know, God expects for his children to control winds and waves in the name of his son because the power is resident in the name he's calling his children to be masters over the animal creation in other words the authority lost in the garden would be restored to the children of of god born again children of god in the name of jesus this is god's plan um let's go ahead and um, let me support this with a verse from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 17, Romans 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Amen. So notice that the same way that death was reigning through the sin of Adam, we were all born and shaped, you know, according to Adam's nature. Amen. He says, much more now, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they are able to reign in life, in this life here on the earth, by one, Jesus Christ, meaning through him, we are able to reign because we have received two things. His grace and an abundance of it, amen. And secondly, the gift of righteousness. So, what does it mean here to reign in life? It speaks about reigning as a king, to have kingly rule, to possess kingly dominion. So, we see that the secret of reigning in this life lies with receiving everything that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, amen. It has nothing to do, again, with us personally our background or who we think we are in the flesh it has all but it has all to do with our receiving by faith everything that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross and therefore ordering our life to follow Christ so if we are living a life of defeat if we are being defeated by sin by guilt or condemnation um by sickness by financial lack or uh, even broken relationships, we are not really living that life that God has intended for us. Don't forget, God, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life in abundance. We were already living in under the power of darkness, being defeated by sin, being condemned, being sick, being, you know, lacking uh, poverty, our, you know, broken relationships. That was, that's part of the kingdom of darkness. So this is not the life that God intends for us. So based on the authority of God's word, we see that his new creation is destined to reign in life. Amen. Therefore, no longer live as one who is still under the power of the enemy. Amen. We are to reign in life as a king, to have kingly dominion over all challenges and circumstances, to be above them, and not to be trampled by them. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, we have to stop uh, being ignorant uh, or abandoning our right to reign in life. 
we came into this world not because we sinned, but because of Adam's sin, like I just mentioned before. We were born with that nature. But by the same token, now that we are born again by Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for us, we are made righteous in the new covenant, not because we have done any righteous deed, but because this one man, that is Jesus, he was obedient to the death on the cross. And because we have received that sacrifice by faith, there has been a divine exchange. As stated in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 that we read, that God has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, him who knew no sin, that we might be righteousness of God in him. So by receiving by faith what Jesus has already done for us, we are able to reign in life. We receive everything that he has accomplished for us on the cross through abundance of grace and through the gift of righteousness that he has given us. And until we know that we are the righteousness of God, we will never take advantage of our privileges. We will live in bondage to the enemy. And um, because we would not have the mindset, the understanding that we don't owe Satan anything, that he, he, he has no power at all over us. But, but the instant that we know it, we are able to boldly come into the presence of the Father and feel at home with him. Amen. Actually, this is what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 tells us. We're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. Hallelujah. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us that the new creation is the fullness of God. Why? Because Christ's nature and life has been poured out into our spirits. Because, you know, when we receive eternal life, we receive the very thing that makes Jesus what he is. We received of the Father, his very nature. So we are like him. Amen. Um, John 1, 16 says of his fullness, have we all received grace upon grace. Amen. Hallelujah. And in Ephesians chapter 1, which we were reading a little while ago, if uh, we read verse 23 here, it tells us that, that the church is the, is the body of Christ. It says the fullness of him that fills all in all. Amen. Therefore, fullness is referring to com- completeness. Amen. The, we lack nothing. So it's essential for us to build um, a stable consciousness of victory, the victory that we have in Christ. Amen. The scripture warns us that for lack of knowledge, um, the people perish. And so to know this truth in our head is just the beginning. But receiving revelation knowledge from the Holy Spirit about how they apply to our life in our um, spirit man is really what truly matters. And this is the reason why we are going over this study tonight, because I'm sure that a lot of this information we all know, but how much of it have we allowed to sink into our spirit to become established in us so that we can actually be living out of this, the revelation Holy Spirit has imparted to us. You know, we are warned in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 4 that the letter kills, but it is the spirit that gives life. So we should be digging deeper to see in who the Holy Spirit says to us that we are. 
This is why we are directed in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, that we are to fight the good fight of faith, that we are to lay hold on eternal life whereunto we are called. Hallelujah. And it says, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So notice, this is actually Paul writing to Timothy when he tells him that 1 Timothy 6, 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life or into thou art also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Amen. How is, you know, does this apply to us? We are to live the same way. Amen. We are told to number one, fight the good fight of faith. And second, profess a good profession. Amen. What does that mean? Fighting the good fight of faith. It's a battle that it's a fight that is not a struggle. It shouldn't be a struggle on our part. Why? Because it's a recognition and confession of the victory that we have won through Christ over the adversary in the great substitutionary battle that took place before, you know, when Jesus, before Jesus arose from the dead. And so we identify, we are identified in that. Amen. And therefore, our profession means that we are required to make this confession uh, daily always, continually, as boldly as Jesus did. Notice that Jesus held fast to his confession. Amen. And this continual confession was part of his victory. Amen. Um, Jesus exercised mastery over evil forces, and we can do the same in him as believers. The way that he walked on the earth, the love that he showed, the compassion that he gave to people, we are called, we can do the same through his grace. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. So we are called to carry his thoughts, amen, to think like him, praise God. And notice that Jesus was always in absolute dominion over the devil and all his cohorts. And so are we, praise God. And this is why we have to have that mentality, that mindset, amen, or should I say consciousness, of victory. Because if we know that as he is, so are we in this world, then we can never lose in this life. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that God will open our eyes to truly all that God has given us, that we may know what we have and who we are in him. The Bible says that all things are ours in Christ. And Christ is if indeed Christ is ours, then we can do all things through him who strengthens us. You know, God has anointed us and the Bible tells us that we carry his anointing inside of us in first John chapter two, verses 20 and verse 27. Amen. Uh, furthermore, we learn from Ephesians chapter one and verse three that we are blessed. Um, Second Peter one and verse three tells us that God not only loves us, but has given us all things, amen, that, that pertain to life and godliness. So truly, we have been given all things in Christ, amen. And we see that not only that did the blood of Jesus reconcile us to the Father, but the blood of Jesus is still speaking on our behalf. In the book of Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11 and verse 24, the blood is speaking for us. Uh, in First John 1, uh, verses 7 and 9, we see the blood of Jesus still working for us. You know, when Satan sees an individual believer, uh, he may know their weaknesses, their past sins, 
um, and realize that there are cracks um, that allow him limited access into their lives. However, what we must always remember is that the enemy also sees the blood of Jesus Christ that was applied to the lives of believers. Amen. The blood that erased their sinful past when they confessed Christ as their Savior. And, you know, um, Revelations, uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 11, says that the believers overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen. So the precious blood of Jesus Christ has unlimited power over all the powers of the enemy. And the accuser cannot accuse a person whose sins no longer exist in the eyes of God. You see, because those sins have been erased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, the blood of Jesus is still delivering us daily and destroying the devil's plans against us. So we have to remember, we have all of this. This is who we, what we have. This is who we are. We have the Holy Spirit resident inside of us. His power is working for us, in us, and for us. He is breaking down strongholds. Amen. Uh, he's enabling us to be used by God to, you know, as, a, as vessels, uh, as instruments of God to uh, touch others. Hallelujah. So we see that God's power is opening doors of favor on our behalf. And there is no defeat for us in Christ, that there is only victory. And when our faith is planted firmly upon this foundation, we are able to face our enemy without fear. Amen. We know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We know that we are the vine. I'm sorry, that, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Amen. We know that, you know, we are lights in this world, that, you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is the testimony that the apostle Paul gave about himself, that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And as well, you know, have that declaration, that confession, because it is an affirmation that belongs to every born again person. And in doing so, we move ourselves out of the realm of weakness into the realm of victory. We can say, like Paul, I am more than a conqueror. Uh, I am complete in him who is the head of all principalities. Uh, we can say, like the, like the apostle uh, John says of us, that we are of God and have overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, we, we have to know that the enemy knows that he has lost the war, that he has been eternally defeated. And he knows that we are now the conquerors. We are the masters. And so what he does um, in order to, to, to have any kind of influence or power over a born again believer is to try to keep us in ignorance of who we are in Christ and what we have in him. And the enemy knows that we will make mistakes. And so he uses our mistakes to try to keep us under condemnation. But thank God, as we have said earlier, we, the blood of Jesus is speaking on our behalf. Amen. And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the Bible tells us. Amen. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. Amen. Jesus is our advocate. And when we miss, we miss it or we sin, what we need to do is just to confess our sin. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 1 and verse 9 that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And when we do that, our fellowship with the Father is restored and everything is settled. And 
as we grow in the knowledge that is the, you know, intimately by revelation of the Holy Spirit, that we are born of God, that we are created in Christ Jesus. What happens is that we become more and more God inside minded and more conscious that we are now the head and not the tail, that we are above only and not be. We increasingly learn to let him, that is God, have his first His place in us. Amen. You know, just as in the past, we gave way to our feelings and we walked in the flesh and we spoke inappropriately at times. Now, all things have changed. Amen. All those past things have changed. And now, as a new creation in Christ, we ask God to take charge of our speech, of our thinking, of our mind. And we ask him to teach us to live as Jesus lived. And in doing so, we are giving place to the one who is filling us with the very nature and life of the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. So in closing, let you know, we need to understand that we have to rise up in authority. Amen. Um, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, actually, verses 13 and 14. Let's go ahead and turn to that passage. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. You know, this is not a prayer. This is actually demanding or commending the forces of darkness to be broken over our lives and over the lives of others. So what we are doing here is that we are acting in Jesus's place. We have drawn the sword of the spirit that is the living word that is in our lips, just as it was on the lips of Jesus. And that word has now become a dominating force in our life. We are united with him. We, there is a perfect union. He is the vine and we are the branches. We are bearing his name. Amen. And he bears us. And as we recognize what we are and give place to him to move in us, we bring glory to him. Amen. We see the, his spirit move. Amen. And we, we see his strength and his ability displayed in us. Praise God. And it is why it's so important for us to discipline and train ourselves to magnify our union with Christ, our oneness with him. Amen. Um, we, we are not to demean ourselves and talk about our lack and rob God of the glory, you know, of, of the finished work of, 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 of rob Christ of the finished work of his cross. Amen. And when we walk like that, actually, we give place to the adversary, adversary in our life. But rather, God wants us to walk in dominion, to reign with him. And he is faithful. Amen. Um, we were called by his fellowship with him, to you know, the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Which means that, you know, we are to share in all that Jesus has. And this is God's calling for us. And, you know, God the Father acts as though we had never sinned. Why? Because when we are in Christ, this new creation does not have a past. We are new. This is brand new. And this is victory. And we have to cultivate. We have to be established. Amen. In that understanding of victory, of being a new creation in Christ, of the fact that we are now in the beloved. Amen. 
And so this is God's word to us in Romans chapter 8, verses um, 31 and 32. Let me go ahead and read that passage in, as we close. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. Freely give us all things. And, you know, furthermore, we ought to represent. God has called us to represent him on earth as his ambassadors, as workers together with him. Amen. Um, You know, being his instrument to do his work, helping others see God's grace and glory as we minister as we our functions of um you know ministers of reconcil- reconciliation uh, which is called to reconcile men unto god and to the destiny that they are called to, to you know this is the standing that we have before the throne of god hallelujah what recognition we have from the father himself what limitless ability is ours and as the word says tells as he reminds us tonight as he is so are we in this world amen and i pray that this revelation will penetrate us and transform us amen hallelujah let us pray father we thank you for ministering to us about who we are in you for filling us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so we can live a life that is worthy of you pleasing to you and fruitful in every good work. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give us a new vision, new wisdom, new strength, new health, new power and grace in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that in every direction that we extend the sword of the, that the forces of evil are compelled to yield, that Christ is exalted and that his kingdom is advanced. We thank you, Lord, that even through our prayers, as we use the authority that is ours in the name of Jesus, Christ rules in the midst of his enemies, and we walk in victory every day, in every situation, to the praise of your glory. We thank you, Lord, indeed, that as he is, so are we in this world. Father, we praise you, we worship you for all that you have done, all that you continue to do, to glorify your name in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, and to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I pray that indeed this study has been a blessing to you, that you will carry it, in your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal more and in doing so transform you more and more to be like Christ. God bless you. Have a good night. We invite you to be with us again next week at the same time. Good night.